Hello, and welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy! My guest today is Annabelle Malcolm. She is a copywriting coach out of Colorado Springs, Colorado, and she helps people develop writing in a way that's going to amplify their voice and sound like it's in their voice. I cannot wait to dive in and have this conversation with you, Annabelle. All right. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell everyone how you got interested in being a copy coach. Oh my goodness. It's kind of a long story. I'll try to make it as concise as possible. Um, My background is actually in teaching English. And so I went into that um, in college and um, I went to Ohio State and majored in English there. And then Didn't get my teaching license um, because they didn't offer that with a bachelor's degree. Ended up doing that at Kansas State and uh, graduated again with a teaching license for teaching English. And I specialized in teaching nonfiction writing primarily. So um, within that, I, I really like teaching persuasive writing and personal essays, which ended up translating really well to copywriting. So anyway, my husband's active duty army, which is why we're moving all over the place. And um, it was really hard to find a teaching job moving every two years. So I thought when my, when my son started kindergarten, I thought, you know, I need to do something. So I started my business, which was called Upsprout Studio. And at that time I was doing web design and, um, also did some copywriting for my clients. But after a while, I just realized my heart was still in teaching writing. So I decided to just stick with copy coaching exclusively. And so that's what I'm doing now. Oh, I love it. That's amazing. Um, Could you explain a little bit about the term persuasive writing? If that's new terminology, I would love for you to break that down a little bit. Okay, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's writing that's designed to persuade people to take some kind of action. And so essentially, that's what copywriting is, whether it's, you know, directly selling to somebody um, that, you know, obviously is a form of persuasive writing. But it's also things like just asking people to, you know, join your email list or to follow you on social media or just take some sort of action, um, convince them that that's the, the thing that they need to do next. And we practice persuasive writing all the time, you know, even if it's texting some friends to say, hey, I think we should go here for dinner tonight. That's a form of persuasive writing. And so I like to tell my clients that if you're able to convince somebody to do something, even if it's just you know, convincing your husband to order pizza that night, you're going to be able to translate that into writing copy. Oh, I like that. That really helps a lot for sure. And I do think that especially solopreneurs, they forget that part to drive people to the call to action, right? Yes. Step that's going to bring them closer to you and your business. So uh, I think what you're doing is just such a valuable service for people. Um, what advice would you have if someone is fearful of using their voice or even like getting over that fear of really being vulnerable and exposing kind of 
the trueness underneath the layers. So we don't all sound the same. It's not the same jargon, but what advice do you have to kind of get over that fear? Oh, wow. Um, this comes up all the time because people are afraid of sounding like themselves, essentially, in their copy. But really, that's what your ideal audience wants from you. People typically, you know, when they're working, you know, especially with small businesses, they're wanting to buy from people. They're wanting to work with people. They're not looking to work with some faceless corporation. And so hiding behind this generic, you know, vague copywriting strategy of not really showing your own personality, that's not going to actually connect with your audience. What you want to do is infuse your personality into your writing and show people that you're an actual human being, you know, that you have a personality in the first place. And it's scary to take that step because you think, oh my gosh, well, not everybody's going to like me. Um, I'm going to turn some people off, you know, that sort of thing. The thing is, by not getting your personality into your writing, you will turn people off. You'll turn it off most people because they won't see the value of working with you. They won't see a reason to work with you as a person. And it is true that no matter what you do, not everybody's going to like you. And that's actually okay because the people who are turned off are not going to be your ideal clients. You don't want to work with them anyway because chances are, Chances are good that uh, it wouldn't work out very well for you anyway if you ended up working with people who don't mesh well with your personality. Absolutely. What's a baby step that someone can take to get over that fear? A baby step that some, oh, this is a good question. I would say start out small with some social media posts. Mm. And do a couple posts where you tell some sort of story or you reveal something personal about yourself and you relate that into your business. Even if it's something as simple as why you started your business in the first place, because everybody has their own journey and starts their business for different reasons. So by disclosing the story behind why you decided to take this particular road and go this route, that's that's interesting to people. They want to find out, you know, what inspired you to do this in the first place. So that would be, that would be my advice for something small you could take right away to start being more vulnerable. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I think it's, it's doable. It's not as intimidating as a whole sales page or about page or anything. Yeah. And it's something that we can repeat, you know, like once we do it and we get some engagement, we get so, oh, that wasn't too bad. You can repeat it again. Exactly. So I think that that's really valuable as well. That's so cool. Uh, So where is your big vision? Like when we think about our why, you know, like why, why do you even do what you do? Right. Because to be a business owner is not the easiest thing, right? It's a little bit up and down trajectory. So I would love for you to share a little bit of the kind of the depths of your why behind why you do what you do. Okay. So Um, My selfish why, which is why I'm doing this for me personally, is because I really needed something, some kind of outlet where I'm not just a spouse to somebody who's in the military and I'm not just a mom. I needed something that I could call my own and create and, and shape. Um, that was all mine. And that sounds incredibly selfish saying that out loud. 
No, but it's true. We're going to be able to so relate. Yes. Amen. We all need our something. Yes. And this was my something. But beyond that, um, my, my deeper why is that I really feel like women in particular have a difficult time connecting um, with who they are. And it's, it's related to my personal why in, in that we get caught up in who we are to other people and who we are in relation to other people and we lose sight of who we are as a person. And I think that that's particularly true with women entrepreneurs who are, you know, often putting their business ahead of them personally and they're not letting themselves, um, they're not expressing themselves within the, you know, the boundaries of their business. And I, I feel like giving women the empowering them to take their voice back and realizing that can actually be a business asset uh, is really, really important. And I, my, my greatest joy is when women are able to kind of reclaim their own voice and feel confident using that in their copy and realize that's actually driving more business to them. Absolutely. That is such wise words of advice. And I love the fact I jumped on your Facebook page and you had said like vanilla is great for ice cream, but it doesn't work so well in copy. Yes. It really showed your personality. So it's like, it, it really made me laugh. And I was like, yeah, that's absolutely for sure. And I think vanilla is the safe choice, right? And it's the it safe is. way. And that's why like, what you said earlier where many people are writing on that surface level because they feel that they appeal to a broader audience and they don't really show their true personality that it's going to be safer and that in their mind, they think they're going to have more connection, but you have less connection because no one really can see who you are. And, and I think that that is uh, one of the scariest things is like, it will be too polarizing, you know, And I think that writing is probably one of the most cathartic processes that we can go through because you have to really dig deep. You do. You do. And I totally agree with that. And it can be, it, it can be that way, you know, through writing in journals or, you know, doing some kind of personal writing, but it can also work that way in copy because you still are allowing part of yourself ideally to shine through. For sure. So how do you like to work with people? Do you interview them and do the writing for them? Or is part of being a copy coach where you're letting them do the writing process and then you're putting your professional eyes on it? Or do you do 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 both? I do a little bit of both. So I do some direct copywriting. um, And I do, you know, talk extensively with a client who's hired me for copywriting so I can better understand where they're coming from, who their ideal client is, what their voice is like. But what I really love doing is working one-on-one with people to help them with their own copy. So um, generally speaking, my process would be to meet with somebody who probably doesn't have their copy written yet. And I'll go over kind of the structure, you know, the, the formula for writing copy, whatever they're working on, and then give them a lot of writing tips, um, stuff that I've learned in my studies, you know, as an English education person, and also things that I've learned along the way of like how to break through writer's block, for instance. That's a huge, huge problem that even professional writers have. (laughs) Yeah, so I understand that all too well. So we'll have that meeting and um, I'll get to know them and their particular writing struggles a little bit better. And, um, And then they'll get you know, an idea of how they can go about structuring their copy. 
and I turn them loose and they can go and write for a week or so. And if they get stuck along the way, I'm always available, you know, to talk them through things. But then they'll give me a draft of what they've come up with. And even when they think it's terrible, it's totally okay because everybody's first draft is always terrible. So, <laughs> but usually it's a lot better than they realize because often they've gone back and already started the editing process. But anyway, I'll take it and I will, um, I'll tweak it a bit. You know, I might move some things around or maybe I'll rephrase things here and there. And then I'm also, I am like, the the closest proofreader in the world. I mean, typos drive me nuts, so I make sure that it's sparkling clean and totally ready to go. And then um, we'll get on a call again, and I'll walk through, okay, here's the changes I made, and this is why I made them. This is how it's making the copy stronger. Um, you know, this is what you did really, really well and that I didn't even want to touch. And here's why that works. So they're, they're not just hearing, okay, this is what happened, but also this is the reasoning behind it. Because my goal is that after they work with me, they can take that knowledge and start writing their own copy in other areas and feel a lot more confident about it and have it be effective. That's amazing. I love that. I love that whole aspect where you're their mentor, but you're there not necessarily where they have to keep coming back to the well, but you're giving them the tools yes. to become better writers. And, you know, I like that you really break that down in your connection with them, because once you learn something and you know the why behind it, it's so much easier to implement. Yes. And that's totally, I mean, that's my education background coming in. I love, I've always loved teaching things to other people and seeing them, you know, take that knowledge and run with it. And so ideally my clients won't need me anymore. <laughs> so maybe that's not the best business decision. Yeah. <laughs> Right there with you. I'm such a teacher that like we're very similar in the ways that we get juiced up by empowering other women and by sharing and teaching them so they can become their own doer. And so the beauty about that is they become raving fans because you've just given them all these tools to have quick wins over and over again. So it will have replenished kind of bring back to you as well, which is really cool. Yes. I love that aspect. I'm a big fan of that philosophy as well. And I first met you at a, um, well, it was local to me. It was a Rochester women's networking event. And so I'm curious about the types of things that you do to stay on the cutting edge for your profession. What sort of things I do? Um, I love consuming information. So I am a total junkie when it comes to reading new books and, you know, reading blogs, listening to podcasts. Oh my goodness, I have so many podcasts that I listen to. Um, listening to audiobooks. I just love hearing new ideas and I love following other copywriters and learning things from them as well because, I mean, nobody has it all figured out. And um, it's great to be able to share information. And I also, I continually invest in my business and primarily my investments are in myself. So like um, the event that where we met, I was actually part of a, uh, like a group, a group coaching slash mastermind program run by Jacqueline Malone, who does the GoTo Gal podcast. And um, she had us come to Rochester where she's from. And we had, 
you know, two intense days of workshops and, you know, masterminding. It was fantastic. And it did so much for my growth as a business owner. And then I got to go to this event. And I will admit, I'm a total introvert. So I was really apprehensive about going, but it ended up being fantastic. And I met so many awesome people, so many amazing women. And it's like my favorite part of the trip at this point. That's amazing. And yeah. I have to totally lift you up because um, you did not come off as an introvert or a shy person. I mean, oh you took the mic, you shared your your curiosity hook or your your kind of like elevator pitch. And mm-hmm. I was like, she's cool. I'm going to have her on my podcast. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So you absolutely succeeded in, in that breaking out of your comfort zone. It was way, way outside my comfort zone. But thank you. Yeah, I love the fact that you are a forever learner and that you're continually investing in your personal development, which leads to being a better business owner for sure. Can you share a couple of your favorite either audiobooks or podcasts for listeners that may want to gravitate to those same things? Sure. So I mentioned Jacqueline's uh, podcast, Go To Gal. I really love that one. Um, it's it, She does a lot of mindset work. And for me, I found that working on my mindset is the most productive use of my time because inevitably it's my, I, I, I get in my own way. And so, um, and I think that's true for just about everybody. So mindset works super important for me. Um, I'd also recommend, um, an audiobook that I love, and of course it's in print too, but it's called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Um, he talks a lot about upper limit problems where you kind of hit your ceiling of what you believe is possible and how to work past that to, um, to break through and climb even higher than you thought you've imagined. That's awesome. And those are both like, there's, that's so key, that upper limit that we put on. And I think especially like you were saying before, as women, we have many more issues with that same exact thing with our own self-imposed glass ceiling. So anything we can do to get inspiration to kind of bust through that is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing those resources. I will link to those in the show notes for people to kind of follow and uh, get you stuck with that as well. And you had said you like to follow other copywriters. So I want to just give you two resources. I've had them both on the podcast. One is Kay Fabella. She is a copywriter out of Madrid, Spain. And the other is Ellie Runkles. And um, definitely two girls to watch in this space helping other female entrepreneurs kind of hone down their, their craft as well, but also in the line of women supporting women, right? Mm-hmm. And that community over competition. So that's yes. the beauty of helping one another and being in this realm. And it's so interesting how small our circles really are. Right? I know. We keep looking yeah. over each other in a good way. And it's really cool to be able to network with other people. You know, I have a lot of close friends that are also business coaches and we all have our own unique voice. And many times we're referring other people if we think they're going to be a better fit for personality reasons or specialty or niche reasons. So it's pretty cool. I'm happy that you feel that way too. Yes, Absolutely. That's neat. What kind of exciting things do you have coming up on the docket? Oh, my goodness. I think, let's see. Well, there's another retreat planned um, for New York City coming up in either October or November. We're still trying to nail down the date, but I'd really like to go to that one as well because the one in Rochester was so just 
mind-blowing in so many different ways. And so that's one thing that I've got going on. I'm also about to launch a new website because I've changed my business name from Upsprout Studio. I decided as a copywriter, a studio doesn't really make sense anymore. So um, I'm just going by my name, Annabelle Malcolm. And um, you know, I kind of struggled with that because my name is really hard to spell. Like almost nobody spells it correctly. <laughs> and so, but then, yeah. and so um, you know, I talked to some business friends of mine and they were like, yeah, people will learn it. Don't worry about it. Just go with it. So, so I'm Annabelle Malcolm and I'm about to have a new website, which hopefully by the time this goes live, will be live. Oh, it will be absolutely for sure. I'm excited about that. I like that you're going under your name. I think it really shows leadership. A hundred percent. And what was kind of the rebrand or the pivot for you? What was that like? Because I know sometimes that can be really intimidating when you're going from an established brand and kind of shifting, especially when you're shifting into that leadership role and going under your name as the brand sake. You know, it was, it was, um, when I decided to shift from doing all in one websites where I was doing the branding, the copy, the web design, and just focusing on copy coaching, that was kind of scary. Um, I'll be totally honest. I was um, a little apprehensive about it. I didn't know if I was going to succeed, of course. I mean, there's no guarantees, um, particularly in entrepreneurship. And, you know, I had my worries, but I felt in my gut that it was the right thing because I realized that through my process of designing websites, my favorite part where I lit up the most was talking about copy. Mm. And so I thought, you know, I, I've just got to do this. So that part was, that, that part took a few months, I think, to kind of work through that discomfort and really jump in. But changing from my established business name to my own name that was pretty quick. I kind of, you know, I was like, well, maybe I should change my name. You know, studio, not making a whole lot of sense anymore. What do you guys think? People overwhelmingly said, just use your own name. I was like, okay, done. Good. You know, so yes, let's you know, go. Right, <laughs> yeah. but we don't overthink it to death. <laughs> yes, and, and I, I can be very guilty of that, but I was like, okay, I'm just going with it. Let's go. Oh, I love it. I love that you did that. And the other thing that I wanted to pull out that you said is when you looked at the whole ball of wax of everything that you do, because especially I think as um, newer businesses, we're trying to be everything to everyone. We're afraid to narrow our niche. And a lot of times we have these skills, right? So you, you had probably a laundry list of skills that you could do. Whether right complete website all the way through. And so the one part that really stuck out for me, as you said, when I reflected on that ball of wax, the copy is what lit me up. And mm -hmm. so for people that may be like finding their business is a little bit of a drag or they're just not feeling that click, I think for them to kind of like hone into their sweet spot and really do a, a review of all the services that they do for people. What sucks and makes you feel like a wet washcloth at the end of the day? Yes. And what makes you excited? Like you could talk about it forever and you have this joy and you actually get invigorated after you've engaged in that. And I think that that helps to sift out where your niche direction can go. Do you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. The whole reason I started doing websites in the first place, rather than just going into copy, was, um, well, for one, I had worked, you know, 
again, my husband's active duty military, so we move a lot. And I would get involved with nonprofit organizations at different places where we've lived. And then inevitably, I'd end up doing their website because usually it was terrible. So I learned how to do that. And I thought, well, I know people need websites, but do they really need copywriting? I mean, it's is that really a thing? Because that's really what I'd like to do, but I know people need to have websites. So that was really why I, I started doing that. And as I got more into it, I realized, first of all, yes, there, <laughs> there's a need for copywriters. There's definitely room for copy coaches. And that's really what I love doing. I could get lost in talking about copy, you know, and reviewing other, what uh, my clients had written and, and working with that, you know, the time would fly by. Every, like every sign that, okay, this is what you need to do was, was flashing neon lights. And so um, when I finally woke up to that, the decision was fairly easy, even though it was scary. Yeah. Absolutely, for sure. And have you found that like your dream clients are becoming more attracted to you because you've narrowed your niche and you've really honed in on a specialty? Since I have made that switch, since I've done that pivot, and since I've become more confident in what it is that I'm offering, I've had more and more opportunities spring up than I could have ever imagined. It's been really incredible. I'm working with two established um, group coaching programs right now where I'm their in-house copy coach. And those are things that would not have happened if I had stayed doing general websites. 100%. Right. Um, much easier to refer. I mean, even during our talk, my mind's been going like, which clients do I have that could use a really great copy coach? So it is, it's, it dissipates all the fear. If we have a listener thinking about niching down, but have been afraid to do it because they think they're going to leave money on the table. I want them to 100% know that that is just a false fear because everybody that I've spoken to, including the pivots that I've made in my own business, when we take that leap and jump into that sweet spot, that's our zone of genius and clearly communicate that to our audience we get more business. Business expands when people understand clearly what we do and who we help. Absolutely. That has totally been the case for me. And I've heard, you know, since I started doing um, my business in the first place, you've got to niche down, you've got to niche down. And that's, that's where you're going to find your clients. I was so afraid to do that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, but when I finally was like, okay, I have nothing left to lose. You know, I, I'll just try this and see how it goes. Cause that's really how I approached it. I thought, you know, I'll give this until, you know, whenever, and I'll just see how it goes. Well, once I took that step and really committed to it, that's when these opportunities started to flood in. It's been incredible. Awesome. I'm so glad you took the leap and you had the courage to do that. I'm sure the positive mindset work that you do was an attribute, right? That was a little bit of a, a kick in the pants because yes, yeah. I'm right there with you with the foundational work, it's our mindset, right? That, that catapults us into these decisions of courage and then we get the results. I know that you mentioned that your hubby is an active duty, and I would love to hear a little bit because I know you're also a mama of a seven-year-old, and I would love to hear how you juggle that work-life balance and also being transitory in the, in the kind of space that you're in. Well, 
first of all, the, you know, choosing an online business has absolutely been the best decision <laughs> of my life. Well, one of them anyway, because I am able to move and take my business with me. So we, again, we move every two years. This is one of our off summers when we get to stay put. But last summer we moved from Virginia to Colorado and I took, I think about three weeks off for the move and it worked like a charm. I mean, I got to pick up right where I had left off and it was, it was fantastic. I love it. So that was, that was a real benefit. And when it comes to balancing work life, you know, stuff, um, I'm able, I'm lucky in that my, my kiddo is able to go after school to a next door program that the military has at our installation. And um, he gets to hang out at a really cool after school center and it gives me another couple hours to work. So he's not coming home at 2.30 in the afternoon every day. And um, so have to really balance what just what it takes to run the household because my husband is he's got an incredibly busy job he often doesn't come home until after eight o'clock at night so like all the household stuff falls to me so i'm i've got to manage within my day not just working time but also you know taking my kids to the doctor and um doing the grocery shopping and like all the little odds and ends that you kind of take for granted Mm -hmm. um, I've got to block out time for that sort of thing. And so I can't work a full 40 hours a week, but I make it, I make the work that I do matter, you know, like I make the most of the time that I have. For sure. And how do you find, um, like, do you do time blocking? How do you effectively manage to fit all those pieces in? Because you said all the little things, but managing a household, there's some big things too, right? So how do you fit it all in? That's a great question because I'm not totally the best at time management, let's say. Um, I have ADHD and so that makes it really difficult to kind of, you know, manage my time. And so I, I've, found a lot of ways to kind of compensate for that. One is time blocking. I'll batch task and decide, okay, from like nine to noon, I'm going to work on only this stuff and I'm going to put blinders on and not do anything else. I've also, um, I sometimes do the Pomodoro technique where you set a timer for like 20, 25 minutes and you only work on one thing and then you get like a five minute break and then the cycle starts over again. Often for me, um, again, with ADHD, a lot of people don't realize that you can either have inattention where, you know, you're really distracted or you hyper-focus. And so once I actually get going, I will hyper-focus. And so my Pomodoro's um, cycle tends to be about an hour with a little break. Because if I stop at 25 minutes, I'm usually like, oh, but I'm in the middle of this. And I'm, you know, I've finally gotten my train of thought. And Yeah, so, you finally are on the momentum train. Yes. I'm a big fan of Pomodoro technique as well. And it's really transformed my day. I can see a big difference when I use it and when I don't use it. And I think exactly like you said, we almost need to put those blinders on and zone in on a specific thing. And then we're not leaking energy when we do those transitions between tasks. Yes. That's such a great tip. What else have you found, especially with ADHD, which I think is really popular, especially with solopreneurs mm -hmm. in this age of digital distraction, it's even much more challenging to stay focused when there's all these shiny objects and buzzers and beeps and things screaming for our attention. Yeah. What do you 
personally do? What's one more tip that you could help other people that struggle with that? Let's see. I really find um, that environment matters a lot to me and making sure that I'm in an environment that's conducive to work. And I don't, I found I don't work well at a traditional desk, you know, like that is just not me. So right now I'm sitting at my kitchen table, you know, got a kitchen chair right here next to me. And this is like my formal place to work, but I also, I'll work on sitting on the couch. There's like one particular corner of the couch that I will sit on and work at sometimes. And that's, it's funny because that tends to be like my creative space. Nice. So if I'm creating something, that's where I'll be. And then my absolute favorite place to work is sitting outside on my porch glider, which is, sounds like something a 70 year old would do, but it's like, <laughs> my favorite place to be because the weather right now in Colorado is absolutely gorgeous. And I've got a table that's like a perfect height to set my laptop on and I will just ride away. And the, the noises, you know, the, the birds and kids playing and, you know, things going on does not bother me for some reason when I'm out there. I, I can zone in. I can really get stuff done. So for me, environment makes all the difference. Oh, I love that. That's such a great tip. Well, you've been delightful. I'm so excited Thank to you. have you as a guest. And how can people connect with you? Okay, so since I am transitioning everything to my own name, um, you can find me at my own website, AnnabelleMalcolm.com. Let me spell that for you. It's A-N-A-B-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. So one N, two L's, and an E. And then Malcolm is M-A-L-C-O-L-M. And that's AnnabelleMalcolm.com. But I made it easy for social media. So on Facebook and Instagram, I'm at ALM Copy. So that's just my initials, ALM Copy. Perfect. That's awesome. And I will put the links in the show notes as well so people can connect with you and uh, get their voice in a more compelling and clear fashion through the help of your copy coaching. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'm so happy to be of service. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on Women Developing Brilliance. If so, head over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.